Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly, and today I'm talking to Rose Manley, who works at InCycle, the cycling TV production company. <laughs> if you've been watching the women's world tour videos that have been shown this year on the UCI channel and on InCycle TV's programme, you'll know Rose from her voice and also her camera work, as she's been the person bringing us this year's world tour. Rose, hello. Hello, thank you very much for inviting me on, Sarah. It's a real privilege. It's a pleasure. I want to pick your brains and find out everything about what your job is, how you work backstage and what happens. So how do you describe your job? Technically, my job title is assistant producer on InCycle. We work for the UCI this year, the UCI Women's World Tour, producing all their highlights and their weekly feature. But in real terms, my job is is everything. It is filming, it's scripting, it's voicing, it's interviewing the riders, it's coming up with content ideas. It's basically taking the whole thing from start to finish, from when you have nothing but a piece of paper in front of you to having film published on YouTube for the UCI or for InCycle on TV. That's really exciting. Well, it sounds really exciting, but yeah, <laughs> I bet it's also slightly nerve wracking. I used to work in football. It's my fourth year working in cycling. And up until about this year, I've kind of just done the men's races. I've been lucky enough to do all the biggest races, do the Tour de France, the Giro d'Italia. It's not nervous because I've kind of done the biggest races going, but it's it's kind of stressful. It's high octane. It's kind of adrenaline filled, which is great, which is why I do the job. There's a lot to think about, a lot to do, a lot of time constraints, a lot of different people who want things different ways, lots of people to answer to, basically. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great job. It is a great job. Let's take a classic, a spring classic. Can you describe what the process is of filming and how you go about doing it? They really vary from race to race. So, I mean, I go into every race with kind of a two-pronged attack, I'll say. Partly, I've got to be, have one eye on the highlights and getting them done every day, every evening. And... The other part of me has got to be aware of making a feature that's got to be slightly more considered, much more. I mean, for me, it's important to be based around the riders and really show their personalities and their individual role in the race instead of just the race as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so I normally go out with a crew. My colleague, Freddie, is kind of my trusted right hand man at all these races. And then someone else who kind of does a bit of filming and editing as well, basically show up when the team show up, wherever that is, in Belgium probably, in the classics, mm -hmm. and hang around the buses, do a bit of scouting first, find out where everyone is, where each rider is. As with a lot of things in cycling, there's a lot of waiting around for about an hour or an hour and a half, and it's about five minutes of extreme action, just as everyone's <laughs> off the bus, everyone's going to the start line, suddenly everyone's available, and they weren't available before, and you have to get all of them, and get down to the start line, get some shots at the start line, and then the race starts, and then when the race starts, it's kind of, for the highlights, I need to keep track of what's going on in the race, what the big events are in the race. For the feature, I have to keep a an eye on whoever I'm following that week, or I could be in the race car, or I could be in the press room, or there might not even be a press room, which is sometimes what happens, mm -hmm. and keep a track of it, and then be ready when the riders come back again, waiting for ages on the finish line until they suddenly come back, and you suddenly got to get a grab with them, do the post-race interviews, film the podium. In the evening, it's getting on to cutting the highlights. Most of the time is into the early hours of the morning. So it's a long day. It's a long, long day. Yeah. 
And when you say you're cutting the highlights, it's not like, for example, the Tour de France, where you can sit in the press room and make notes about what's happened when. And no. you often, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard from people who've done this job before that you don't necessarily get the highlight video as, as in a timely way for some races. Like you might be waiting till the early hours just to get that for one race, whereas for another race, you're getting it almost immediately. Yeah, it varies so much. It's one of those things where it even varies further than my mind could comprehend because <laughs> you get used to a certain way of working you get used to, I get used to kind of British TV values and the kind of formats that are involved in that and the, the working systems that are involved in that which is tends to be quite high quality and then you go to other places like um, say in Italy they have a completely different way of working the cameras they work off are completely different the formats that they come in are completely different and you can't walk around to every race with a hundred million different types of adapter mm-hmm card reader and things like that you really don't know what you're getting you could be getting five minute highlights which is great because it means that you don't have to do much cutting but can be not so great because then you look at it and you think you know I've been writing a script presuming on what I think might be in the highlights and then I get the footage and it's actually got none of what I thought would be the most important of action involved in it and so you have to scrap that and start again and start rewriting or you get every single moment exactly from the motorbike that it was filmed on 10 minute clips where a lot of it is the cameraman changing focus or changing angle or yeah. you get actual raw footage and then that's a huge job to go through as well so it completely varies and part of the challenge of it is going to each race well the biggest challenge is going to each race with a smile on your face <laughs> biggest challenge is going to a race and being prepared for whatever could be thrown at you essentially wow one of the things as fans that we get a little bit frustrated about sometimes is tv highlights that they miss the key break oh yeah so you get this thing where one minute you know they have 15 minutes of the neutral zone for example and riders who are kind of inconsequential having to change their bikes and so on at the back and then suddenly Elisa Longo Borghini and Ellen Van Dyke are out ahead. <laughs> yeah. They just appeared there. Yeah. They were dropped from a helicopter in front of the rest of the race. No, that's yeah. something that we find frustrating as well. And it is, um, I know as much as people want to like lobby the, the UCI about it or want to lobby, you know, on YouTube, want to, you know, say comments about yeah. what we're doing. It is very much up to the race organisers. What gets filmed, how it gets filmed. Yeah. You get some races like Ronda van Drenthe where they've got they've got helicopter shots, they've got several motos on the ground, they've got a static shot, start line shot, they've got a good finish shot, yeah. they've got crossing on the finish. And they're live, so you can actually watch and it, so you can nip the bits that you want to see. <laughs> yeah, so you know exactly how it happened, because all you get on race radio is someone, someone has attacked, and then you're like, well, how did they attack? Did they pull away steadily? Did they yeah. burst out the pack? Do they go with someone and then that person drop back? The specifics you don't know until you get the race yeah. footage. And then sometimes you get the race footage and you still don't know. How, <laughs> how the next challenge then starts of, of doing the best of what you have got and trying to fill in the blanks of the footage that you don't have about how this person got here and why this person might be interested in being ahead of everyone yeah. else, making up more time or going for that intermediate sprint bonus, why they might be motivated to do that. And that kind of comes in the scripting of it. Yeah, yeah. 
how do you do that are you watching race radio are you reading on twitter how are you writing that script while you're doing it it's mainly relying on twitter which is i mean twitter is essentially race radio mm. anyway so i'd normally watch the look at the uci wwt but then say you have something like at the Ovo energy women's tour their twitter feed was really good it actually had a few extra bits of information in it um, a little bit more kind of context in it, and then, then it's kind of good to watch that as well. And Twitter feeds of mechanics and people who are actually in the race cars and probably see what's going on, particularly when people get dropped, essentially, and drop back or have a mechanical or um, have a crash, then those kind of people know what's going on. But, I mean, a lot of the time I'm kind of writing the script, but I just know that it's going to get completely cut to pieces and redone so once I get the footage in then I change the script yeah entirely to suit whatever actually happened otherwise it's always going to be just someone someone attacked someone someone got on her wheels someone someone was dropped you know there's not much you can say without knowing exactly how and, and why yeah it happened but yeah you can't necessarily trust teams either because I had a joke when Cassia Neodoma attacked and was solo in the Ovo Energy Women's Tour in the first stage. I had a joke that every single team report is going to be, oh, well, we tried to chase, but no one else would work with us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and there are some riders who are absolutely classics for when it's going well, it's because everyone else was on the top of their game, but that rider was just stronger and it was a really yeah. tough race. But when they don't do well, oh, it was a really boring race and no one would attack and it was a really defensive race and (laughs) exactly so that's why most of the time it's kind of uh write and then write and then watch and see and see what you get see what actually happened because it's a lot of the time you hear things about bowls not you know not taking it up i think that happened quite a few times at our energy women's tour and then I'd have this line in the script about everyone looking at bowls and bowls not doing anything, blah, blah, blah. I get the footage in, it's just Majerus and Van der Bregen at the front. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And the rider who says, oh, I tried really hard, but no one else would work with me, is yeah. never there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While there isn't that much TV women cycling, why not use it as your own PR exercise, I say. I yeah. think those riders are, are right to do it. You may as well take advantage of Absolutely. having live TV while you still can, I think. I guess one of the problems with relying on Twitter is that I tend to get a very bowl-centric view of the world because, you know, there's Richie Stieg doing his live tweeting. Jesse Braverman is a fantastic tweeter, mm. adding context and stuff. So I always come out feeling, oh, bowls, yeah, they were really active. Yeah. <laughs> but that's he's putting the stuff out exactly yeah. yeah is that something that you have to watch as well or is that or are you going because you're going from the wwt twitter you're getting a more and also i mean one of the things with twitter is that you're relying on signal and a lot of the time oh, yeah. you'll hear nothing for absolutely ages there's nothing you can do so as much as i put a lot of time into writing a script before i've seen the stuff i kind of try and hold back as much as I can. While I'm doing that, there's other stuff to edit. There's the intro bit where you have the opener blurb bit, the nicest shots of Stoke-on-Trent that you can find. <laughs> Go in the right at the beginning. So you can start working on the only oh, yeah. stuff you shot while the race is already on. So while the race is on, it tends to be one of my crew or me starts putting together the intro bit, which I've already written before the race has started, and the pre-interviews as well. 
with normally the defending champ and someone who you think is going to be a, a hot pick for the race that day. And then the same as when the post... the Because, you know, you get all the post-race reaction before you get the race footage. So yeah. that can all be cut and done and table the results tables, the Women's World Tour leaders table, the Women's World Tour leaders podium, all of that stuff can go in before you even got the race footage. So it is like making a jigsaw, really, getting the outside bit first and then moving on to the trickier stuff in the middle. Yeah. What was it like as a learning curve coming from men's cycling predominantly into this? Because that must have been quite a weird thing to do to suddenly have to think, okay, who do I think is going to do well at Drenta? For example, what is the importance of, especially races which don't have much information about them on the internet? Yeah. I'm lucky to have come from a background where I've concentrated on men's cycling, but also done a bit on women's cycling. So I've always had a strong interest in it and a, a good awareness of it. But the, I think the, the more, more tricky thing with women's cycling is that it's so unpredictable. So yeah. even with the best will in the world, even with the, the most knowledge, all the the stats written out for you, then you still you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> I mean, Flanders, Flanders this year, and that's the other thing yeah. about cycling, like all of this year, you've had a really nice weather year, for example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm convinced that one of the reasons that so many races ended in sprints and sprinters winning was because it wasn't the usual hell, rainstorm, hail, wind, mm-hmm. echelons, gutter action, like Drenta, yeah. for example, which is quite a dull course, except for the fact that usually it's like 40 mile an hour wind ripping yeah. them to shreds. I never have picked Corin Rivera to win Flanders. Mm-hmm. I would well, never have picked Corin to win Binder, for example. When it was mile day, it's almost like the races are becoming a bit easy yeah. for the riders as well. I think the, I mean, they've the athletes are really kind of stepped up and they're kind of actually approaching it much more tactically. There's there's so many more top level cyclists now that actually yeah. they can think about team tactics a bit more. That maybe. You don't have to just all push as hard as you can and get as many in the... Nicole Cook used to win a lot of races just by being the strongest rider. Yeah. But teamwork is completely different. So I think that's kind of changing now. And I think that the races are kind of perhaps... I know that they've made them longer this year, but I think that that doesn't necessarily mean that they've made them harder. I mean, a lot of examples the extra 20 kilometers have come at the beginning where it's just mm. been and nothing anyway yeah 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 we'll weasel out some people that perhaps don't have the same level of endurance as the very top athletes but i think that perhaps they need to be a bit harder but as you say i mean the, the weather would have made them harder yeah the rain and the crosswind and i mean i remember ronda van drenta writing my little intro for the highlights before we'd started and uh I'm writing something about the bitter crosswinds that split the peloton to <laughs> really epic and grand. And then getting there and just being blue sky and thinking, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Be the race I thought it was going to be. But... Binder's another example of of when it's raining and yeah. cold. That hill isn't very hard, but when you've just risen in the freezing cold, people are getting frozen eyeballs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What's the kind of turnaround time then? What would you say you averagely, and I know that this is a crazy question because it's different with everyone, what time mm-hmm. would you say you av- averagely finish? And then do you just put it up straight away or is someone else putting it up for you? What what mm-hmm. happens? So what time do I finish? That is a good... If I knew that, then I'd be in a much better position. I think 
I think the earliest we finished has been about 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. The latest I finished has been about 7.30 a.m. And the deadline essentially is 9 a.m. British time or 10, 10 a.m. European time. Yeah. So some nights it has been literally working up until putting it up. And the UCI put it up at 10 a.m. European time. Wow. So that, that's the deadline that it should go up. But most of the time, most I'd say the average is probably between about 2 and 4 a.m. Wow. Oh. Later, possibly 3 and 4 p.m. That's a really yeah. long day. It's a really long day. <laughs> Comparing stage races to classics, obviously, you know, we cook the Giro now. What's the difference between doing a stage race and a classic? Because I imagine that on the one hand, stage races are harder because you've got to do it five days in a row. But on the other hand, at least you've got your setup. Everything's set up and you know what you're doing. Maybe? Stage races are definitely harder just because it's cumulative tiredness yeah so you're just going on and you're getting about three hours sleep a night and you're just still going 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 and you you still have to get up and film a feature and film highlights and like I think about the you know the week that I had at the tour of California in that week I did four daily highlights and three features within a week which is a huge wow yeah is, is a huge amount of content but also making sure you're picking up things from the right riders all the way along because you can never kind of lose that features hat you know you've got to yeah I was following drops at women's tour so not only am I like checking for what's going on in the race but also I need to be aware of at the end of every stage I need to get some kind of word from drops about something or I need to pick up on highlight something that happened to one of their riders even if they weren't right I mean luckily they were right at the front all the time but it's that kind of, yeah. I was going to ask about that because I guess it's it's one thing, say, taking Sunweb, for example, where you can pretty much guarantee they're going to be at the front and you can pretty much guarantee that Ellen Van Dyke is going to put in a monster performance at some stage. Mm. But when you're dealing with all of the smaller teams, that must be quite difficult, especially because you don't even hear about people who aren't on the front on race radio. Yeah, yeah, you don't. A lot of the time it's kind of asking the team themselves about what's going on partly or just getting a different perspective kind of going and following a soigneur or I followed the assistant DS Paul on at the women's tour at feed zone and I went in the race car with Bob Varney on one stage and uh yeah getting a different perspective in doing it and then just seeing what's happened at the end of the race each time but yeah it's it's a lot to think about and when you get more and more tired it becomes harder and harder to to think about but you keep on pushing keep on pushing but yeah it is good fun <laughs> I mean that's the thing is you always seem like I've seen you at races and you seem like you're just completely chilled and relaxed oh that's good <laughs> my mind is normally absolutely whirring I mean my favorite part of the job is being out at the races and talking to the riders and being part of the atmosphere I think that's the best bit so it's where I'm happiest essentially so Mm. that's probably why I look so it's the kind of pre-stuff which I find um a bit less once you're there you're there and you're in it and whatever happens happens and you've got to just go with the flow I think Mm. but um no I enjoy it of course I enjoy (laughs) it It's, it's a dream job really oh how do you keep yourself creative especially in the context as you're saying of stage races where you're getting tired and tired it must be very easy to firstly as you say so and so attacked and they were caught mm. and then there was another attack and that happened 
So firstly, there's a question about the stories in the race. But secondly, how do you keep yourself creative in the features? Because I've really enjoyed this year how different all the features have been. Oh, good. Um, it's funny, actually, because I was talking to uh, Kareen, who is the videographer for Wiggle mm. High Five, about this. I mean, she her brief is even smaller in that she's got to just focus on the team and try and do something new and inventive with it. I mean, it is difficult because essentially it is just riders go off, there is a race, someone wins, the end. I mean, it's got more variety than, say, football, where in a football match, the only thing that can happen is yeah. win a loss, a draw, that's it. Yeah. At least you can have all kinds of different things happening along the way. How to keep it creative? I think I just follow what interests me. And I think the riders make it creative as well. I mean, essentially... A lot of the features could be the same almost because it's kind of just sitting, talking to a rider and then watching how they got on in a race in essence. But I think the right, you know, the riders help to make it more interesting because they have their own passions and interests and their way of looking at racing. And I think that can completely change how a feature goes. Mm. I mean, the first one feature that I did this year was at Strada Bianca with Kasia Nevia Doma. Yeah. We filmed her the day before, and what I thought it was going to be was kind of like about the course and, you know, what do you do where and what do you think, when do you think about doing this? Kind of like a talk through the course almost. Mm -hmm. But what she was much better at talking about, much more engaged to talk about, was about the feeling in your legs when you're just about to attack or the feeling that thoughts that go through your mind just before you, yeah, burst out of the pack and what you think when you're still going up a climb when you're leading the climb when you look behind all those kind of little minutiae of of racing kind of much more emotional side of racing she was so good at talking about it and describing it and explaining it that I thought well that's got to be the way that the feature goes you know it's got to be especially because those features come out are published after the races Mm. and I've retweeted that Cassia Neodoma video a couple of times just because Mm -hmm. it's so timeless it's, yeah. it's something that, yeah, she's talking about Strade that year, but when she was out in the Over Women's Tour uh, break in the, in, the, in the first day, I was retweeting it saying, well, here's Cassia talking about what it feels like to attack. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how well I've obeyed my own rules, but when I started the season, my key thing was to focus on the riders and to raise mm. up their profiles because I think that's key to the success of women cycling because if you don't have that then it's very difficult to sell a race that is much smaller it's easy to sell Tour of Flanders and say come yeah. watch this it's you know it might not be historic necessarily for the women's race so much but it's a historic race yeah. it has famous climbs everyone wants to see the Mervan Gerardsberg and mm. well they won't see it in the women's race the Battersburg thing <laughs> yeah they won't see that <laughs> but um that's a really easy sell, but when you get a smaller race, like the Bowls Rental Ladies Tour or the Ladies Tour of Norway or something, then that's much harder to sell to a general public. People in the know will know what kind of racing you'll get and will know the kind of quality of the broadcast or the quality of the coverage of it and you know, will be keen to watch it because of that. But for the average personal the average even cycling fan men's cycling fan say then it's hard to say oh come and watch this 
you know, it doesn't have the history of any yeah. of those other races. It, and uh, you might not even be able to see it. Like, what's the point yeah. of bigging up, I don't know, Strade or, yeah. or, or Hent Wevelgem or, you know, or, or Flesh Wallon even, or mm. Liege Baston Liege, when you know you're not going to be able to see it live. Yeah. yeah. Fans can't watch it. They basically, in the same way as they can watch the men's racing. Mm. But I mean, that's why it's key to make you think, oh, you know what, I really want to see how Shara Gillow gets on yeah. at this. I really like Elisa Longo-Borghini or, mm. you know, Ashley Mormon patio has had this great recovery. I really want to see her do well and be involved with those riders. Then I think that's kind of key to, to having a, a fan base, as it is in any sport. I mm. mean, I'm a season ticket holder at Crystal Palace and I don't watch the quality of their football. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't watch it for the quality of their football. I don't, I, you know, I watch them because they're my team, and I want them to do well. And yeah. you know, everything's relative. So drawing against Arsenal might be quite a good, good uh, result for me. But for any neutral person, a, a goalless draw would, would be nothing. So you've got to be rooting for someone, yeah. and I think that's why I've tried at least to try and bring that out. It's a challenge because you do also have to make a nod to the race as well and also you've got can tell from your races you're also limited by things like you're clearly being commissioned by the uci so you have to Mm. mention uci things that aren't that interesting like i'm not interested in who the world tour leader is in the spring because it's blatantly not going to be the same person as the as the Mm. end as the end of the race and and we all know that riders would much rather win a race than be fourth every time and win the world tour yeah. So you're obviously working on constraints set around you from other people. I would say just watching, oh, yeah. just watching your oh, stuff. Absolutely. That's interesting too because I I always like your style of getting that stuff in there and making it, <laughs> making it a part of the narrative. Yeah, I think essentially our brief kind of last year we started taking it on doing the highlights and things and we did have a feature every year in last year of women's in cycling on in cycle, but it was just all highlights. That's kind of all it was. And that's kind of important for the UCI to to show off the races and show off the racing and, and things like that. And for our programme, we're much more about the characters and yeah. the home stuff and things like that. So, yeah, this year I kind of set out that what I wanted to achieve was kind of a mix between them. But that, yeah, giving myself a hard brief, essentially. <laughs> but that's fun, it, though. It sounds, it sounds like you're very... Um not perfectionist but you've got high standards for yourself no i i'm yeah borderline perfection i think i drive my colleagues a bit mad (laughs) (laughs) because because i'm very um picky about how like exactly how things are presented exactly how you know what i try and say to to everyone is that in the women's side of things, it's not just making content. It's not like making stuff for the men's side of things. It's just another video to go into the ether and, yeah. get, you know, the men a better sponsor or bring in their brand more money or yeah, their riders more money. When you're doing stuff with women's cycling, it's practically, even with doing the highlights, it's practically the only document that, that there is mm. that this race ever even even happened mm, mm, so mm. when I'm doing the highlights I think it's important to put in as many different attacks as possible instead of just covering what happened in the last 20k yeah because there's a reason that those riders are making those efforts or those teams are come up with that tactic to go in the break there's a reason behind it and you know if they can get a bit more publicity from it or a bit or just even 
the acknowledgement of having done it at yeah, all. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, because it's it's almost invisible sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's you they work so hard and mm. they you know, they train just as hard as the men do. And then, you know, you they they'll get this like huge spotlight around the Olympics, for example. Mm. But there's so many more stories than than the Olympics and the worlds. You yeah. mentioned the difference between women and men in, in terms of what your videos mean. Is it different working with the women than it has been to the men in your experience? Yeah, it's very different. It's very different. In the way of approaching the men is different because they have media offices, if not having their own personal managers and agents as well. So just the way of setting up an interview with them is completely different. Whereas a lot of time in the women's side of things, you're almost, you know, they might have a press officer, but they won't be there or they Mm. just don't. A lot of teams don't have press officers at all. And then you're kind of just dealing with the riders themselves about what time and where and and all of that. So even the kind of approach to organising things is different. And it it can be more difficult in the women's side of things because if I want to talk to anyone from Quick Step Floors, I know I have to go and talk to their press officer, Ale, and arrange it like that. If I want to speak to someone from Colavita then I have to start from finding out who I need to speak to. Or do I speak to a DS? Do I speak to, do they have a Spanier that kind of takes it on? Do I just go up to the rider? It's kind of, yeah, added levels of organisation. But generally, the, the women's peloton is more engaging by a lot. I don't want to, you know, slate all the men but But, but um, they don't have so much option it's not about the women being better it's just about you're someone who's interested in their story whereas for the men it's another job that they've got to do in you know i'm mark cavendish i've got 69 interviews to do this morning yeah but i think it's partly also a benefit of not being as media trained like so Mm. the men are also very media trained they know that they they will just come up with an answer that will tick all the boxes of you know mentioning the sponsors and saying something about their race and yeah, giving a little nod to their teammates, and they will just mm-hmm. hit those every time. And when you're know, in a mix zone at a grand tour, you can hear them giving the same answers they come down the, the line yeah. to every single person going. But I think in the women's sport, because perhaps there's less that side of media training, but also probably because, like you said, it's not like one of a thousand interviews that they have to do that day, then people will be much more engaged in the question that you actually ask instead of just answering. Mm what they think you're mm, going. Mm, mm, mm. Do you find it hard when some of them, you have to talk to them and find out, how did you do? You, you were in an attack, but the attack failed. And mm. what the fuck happened in that race? It's terrible. Is, yeah. is, it, is it hard to get them to talk at that point? Or do they just go into their bus and refuse to talk? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, it varies. Also depends how much of a rapport you have with the ride. Like the rides I've kind of done features with, they're like they know me well enough I'm not going to ask them a daft question yeah. I'm gonna waste their time I am kind of interested in how they got on I'm not trying to get a, you know a quick scoop about someone else yeah 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 you're not going to do this the famous time Mariana Voss was asked when she'd won her I don't know sixth cyclocross world championship and she was asked so Mariana Voss are you killing cyclocross <laughs> <laughs> And it's Mariana Voss, you know, she's very, 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 very clever and savvy and used to media. Like, no, I don't think I am. No. <laughs> no, Mariana Voss is a great example of, you know, there are some people where 
you just know you're going to get a great quote from them. Yeah. Whatever. So you just know that they're, I mean, and that's the case of a lot of women's lives, actually. I mean, Mariana Voss is, is a real example of someone who will just give an interesting, amazing, eloquent answer about, even if you ask her the most dull question. Yeah. What did you have for breakfast this morning, Mariana? <laughs> she would give a, a really good answer, I've no doubt. I think the female cyclists, much more than the men, know that it's kind of part of them expanding their sport. Yeah. They know that without the media covering the sport, it's like the race didn't happen. If the race didn't happen, then what kind of return is that for a sponsor or anyone investing in it? They're much more acutely aware of that. And I think that's why they give much stronger answers on the whole. whole. Last questions. What has been your best moment this season? (gasps) Oh, you can come back to that if you like, because you don't have to name names. Also, what has been the moments in the season where you just wanted to cry and never do it ever again? To be honest, I think there have been moments when I've cried. <laughs> <laughs> Not wanted to cry, but um, but there, there gets to a point when you get to about yeah five in the morning and you're still voicing the script for a highlights package you're made very aware that the deadline is looming, should I say. And um, I think that's the toughest point. The highlights for me is is the most difficult part of it. The highlights is is like a well of sadness and despair. And the features for me is kind of (laughs) joy and happiness and freedom and creativity. (laughs) There's been the the odd occasion, I think, right at the beginning, not right at the beginning, but... I'll just say during the classics season. (laughs) Perhaps not the Flanders classics, perhaps one of the other ones. It's one of those things where you're looking to get some footage and they say, yeah, here's the footage. And they've, you know, it's the the equivalent of handing it over on a cassette. Do you know what I mean? Surprisingly, yeah, I didn't bring my Walkman with me. um, Not much I can do with that. Uh... Speak to the you know the person who's in charge. Oh no, they've already gone home. Oh, okay, well where are they? Are they are they near here? Oh no, they they've gone home as in like they 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 live like three days drive away. <laughs> right. Okay, I mean it's kind of rapid calls around. To, I'm struggling really to to actually almost tipex out all the place names, and, <laughs> and you have to go and uh, find something that can actually work this old fashioned piece of technology then you can find someone and it's already kind of 11 p.m and we haven't got any of the footage so none of the script is written as it should be and then you're only just starting at about midnight with the footage and you've still got to go through two hours of footage to close it down that was the low point I think <laughs> that was the low point the high point I have a lot of high points I think I'm lucky in that regard I think possibly I've got quite a few, I think. I loved um, working with Ashley Mormon Passio, I think, on her recovery thing. Yeah. Was really, was just great. I mean, she is she is such a delight. And she's also just so good at articulating her recovery, which is such a hard thing to, arti- you know, mm. so difficult to explain even months on about what you were thinking at that moment and the mental struggle and the physical struggle I think kind of 
following her journey and seeing her win is something, yeah, that I'm very proud of. I don't know, but I mean, all the riders have just been, I loved, I actually had a great day with Corinne Rivera when I did her feature in Orange County in California. We went to her flat and filmed her there. And then I, you know, got her to take me on a little tour around her local spots, went to the beach. She went for coffee with her friends. I had a coffee too. And (laughs) that was a great day. That was a day to be proud to be, that was my, for me, the kind of at home stuff is always, always a privilege because you're, you're seeing the side of someone that you don't see when they're helmet and sunnies and gloves and everyone's kind of dressed the same when mm, mm, you can't tell behind that helmet and behind those sunglasses what's ticking away and what, where they've come from what their motivation is and why they're doing what they're doing putting a lot on the line for it and yeah. putting aside kind of a family life and putting aside a a working life or a career life or trying to maintain a job alongside or trying to maintain studying alongside. Yeah. So I think, you know, any chance I get to like go and really scratch under the surface of that. And those are my high points, I'd say. Awesome. It's good fun to hang out as well. (laughs) And I guess it's like, that's win-win too, because then next time they see us a race, as you said, the kind of, Oh yeah, it's Rose. I've, yeah. You know, she was. She told me that really joke, funny joke in the coffee shop. Oh, that sounds like me, Sarah. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. I think so. Um, Corinne uh, was great because she, I don't know. She's such a great like role model because she's so chill. She's so relaxed. I was telling, asking her about what food, you know, what her like Californian recommendations for food were, and she was like, In and Out Burger. And I was thinking, what the hell is an In and Out Burger? And it's just like this drive-through fast food. Place. <laughs> And she's like, you've got to get a double-double animal style. And so when Corinne won a, a tour of California stage, then all of me and my crew had a double-double <laughs> out Bergen. No wonder she won, won the tour of Flanders because she has to burn a lot of calories. <laughs> what are calories in that burger? Oh, my God. <laughs> so if people want to follow you, Rose, how do they follow your films? Oh. How do they follow your adventures? Well, I am on Twitter and Instagram at at Rose E. Manley. M-A-N-L-E-Y. Yeah. And that's Rose E, like E the initial. Instead of <laughs> Rose. It's, it's one of those emails that you pick when you're about yeah. 12 and then you have to live with, at least it wasn't like, I think my used, my old one used to be like sarcastic hippo, APA <laughs> or whatever. At least I haven't got that anymore. But um, <laughs> it doesn't make it easy for like giving it over the phone. All of my films are on the UCI YouTube. Well, they're in lots of places. On the UCI YouTube page every week on like a Wednesday or Thursday after a race. And the highlights are there as well. And they also go out on InCycle, which is on Twitter, at TV. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you have a fantastic rest of the season. And honestly, I can't wait to keep on watching all your fantastic films. Thank you for everything you do. Pleasure. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, I won't cry anymore. Now I, now I have that knowledge that someone is watching. <laughs> We're all watching Rose. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. For links to the videos we talked about in this podcast, go to my site, prowomenscycling.com, where you can find everything we talked about and more ways to follow Rose Manley. I'm Sarah Connolly. 
big thanks to my Patreon supporters who fund me to do this kind of work. You can join them on www.patreon.com slash women's cycling. I really appreciate them.